This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Call Bevan Morgan a hoe, and you are listening to Offspring, a podcast all about the anxieties of a parenting journey. This is episode 7, Sick and Tired. A content note, this episode is going to talk about sickness in children and also children passing away. Okay, so this is the episode I have been putting off writing the longest spoiler alert for production this series hasn't necessarily been written in the order it's been presented because some episodes have been super easy to make while others have been pretty challenging and this one has been by far the worst and this is the sickness episode where i talk about the challenges of having a sick infant and the thing is is that it shouldn't be so hard because sickness is inevitable and it's something necessary but the fact that it has been so hard for me is the issue I want to get at today. Because dealing with sickness in a child requires a lot of strength and resilience that I constantly feel I am lacking. Sickness, generally speaking, is such a frustrating but brilliant part of how our bodies operate. Like the way our immune systems take on board a bug learn about it and then develop antibodies to fight that kind of bug if it returns is i don't even know miraculous how do you describe it evolution can be miraculous can't it and on top of that the way that as a species we have developed ways to speed up that process with vaccination i mean that's equally amazing i can't think of any more incredible human achievement so sickness is a painful blessing we have to get sick to make sure that we don't get sick. And most of the time when you're sick, it just means your body is working correctly. Most sickness is just your body expelling the bug and your body healing. It's a silver lining to something we all go through and that we all hate. And that notion that we have to go through it is undoubtedly something that I've taken for granted my entire life. I actually had an immune deficiency when I was a child, so I was sick a lot. I don't remember that so well, though, because I was very young, and time has just kind of compressed a lot of those incidents, or my brain has straight up abandoned them. My parents remember them, though, because it was exceptionally hard for them. Just as a small example, there were no free GP appointments back in the 80s and 90s, and I was constantly back and forth to the doctors. My mum basically had to go back to work so that my parents could afford my medical bills. And seeing this cycle of sickness and healing play out with my own daughter has traumatized me. 
And I don't use that word lightly either. It has completely destroyed me at times. Watching her build an immunity has left me with a significant hole in my ability to parent correctly, I guess, because I struggle so much when she's ill. We're very lucky. There's no doubt about that. Ava is healthy and happy at the moment. We haven't found any allergies of concern. She's immunized and had no problems with the inoculations. She hasn't hurt herself seriously and she's developing well. But inevitably, she has been sick and she's been very ill at times. We've had to go to the hospital four times in her first year and she's had a lot of days off from daycare. She's had multiple viral infections and some bacterial ones as well. These have hurt to witness more than anything. The first trip to hospital was by far the worst. Ava was young, like less than three months old young. Up until that point, she had been such a happy baby. So to come home from work to find her mother on the verge of a breakdown and Ava hoarse from screaming so much was a real shock. We knew that she had been not quite right, but the acceleration was so extreme. She couldn't keep anything down, the screaming was relentless, she was burning up, and then suddenly she was non-responsive, basically. We rushed to the A&E and we were sent to the hospital, which was both good and bad. I mean, the staff at the kids' ward at Waikato are magnificent. I hope I've made that point clear over the course of this series, because they really are. Going to the hospital with someone under three months is scary because very quickly the staff start dropping terms like meningitis around. I learned that babies' infections are super dangerous because they can get into the brain, which I probably should have known at that point, but I didn't. We had to hold her down to get injections while she got poked and prodded by various doctors and nurses. It was only that moment that I started to think about what this must be like for a baby. I mean, your eyes are barely open, you're running on instinct the few weeks you've been alive, and then suddenly all you feel is pain everywhere. And while you're in that pain, you get put in this weird place where people and masks start making the pain even worse. And you can see your parents who have been the ones who have been looking after you, but they're helping these strange people. It's not just physical pain or even fear. There's an element of betrayal to it all that I found I had never considered before having Ava. It turned out she had a UTI and they were able to get on top of it with various antibiotics and painkillers and fluids and the general things you use to bring a baby back to in a hospital after an experience like this. She was in there for a few nights and when she came out, the relief only matched the moment when she was cut out of Gemma's stomach safely. But I didn't really process it properly, and I didn't really understand what seeds had been planted in my psyche from that experience. Since then, there have been other similar instances, and some have actually been worse. But they've also been somewhat limited in their impact by the fact that she has been old enough so that we don't have to worry so much about the potential for the virus to impact her brain in the same way that it could have when she was so young. Um, none of these experiences have been pleasant. 
I mean, the last one was particularly nasty because we had just been hit with new COVID restrictions in the Waikato. I could barely spend any time in the hospital. So I had to deal with the guilt and anxiety at home all alone. I was recording sessions of me reading books to her, hoping that would help ease Gemma's burden even slightly. And she would send me back photos of this listless, unrecognizable child. And it was just horrible. But I mean, it's not a competition. They have all comprehensively sucked. And at times I've found myself just kind of unrecognizable amidst bouts of this manic panic and hyper worry. But yeah, I think it's the first one that really did the trick. The speed at which that day went from uneventful to terrifying has obviously done some long-term damage that I'm only just beginning to understand. What has become abundantly clear in the times that she has fallen ill since then is that I haven't dealt well at all. And I don't think I'm being hard on myself here. It's just objective observation. I've started to unpack it and I'm working through it like everything else. And I can sort of recognize the, the patterns and the, the consistent behaviors that arise. I know now that there are a few classic feelings and emotions that I go through when she is sick that all lead me into pretty dark places. One feeling that I develop is physical pain, like literal physical pain. Hearing her sick screams physically hurts me in a way that other screams, they just don't. Frustrated screams are annoying, but I'm getting better at tuning them out because I get that she doesn't have the brain yet to understand reasoning or how to communicate with words. And it's just part of that development. It's different with the six screams though. Those, those resonate completely different in my ears. The panic button is hit with every single one of those screams. And when they don't stop, it's like the panic button is stuck and it's just flooding my brain with cortisol. And like a sponge, my brain just keeps absorbing it and absorbing it. And it just gets heavier and heavier to the point where that cortisol just fires up all my nerve endings and everything hurts. And it it needs to be wrung out. Like I need to cry because that seems to be the thing that squeezes some of that cortisol out through through my eyes. It seems to drain a bit. Now, obviously, there's worry and fear when she's sick too, but the most surprising, I think, and the most destructive is anger. I get stupidly angry when Ava is sick, not at her, obviously, but I get mad at the injustice of it all. I get furious that there is so much waiting around and that our medical system seems to be running off the smell of a rag that is so old and worn, it doesn't even have any oily smell left on it but I also get mad for selfish reasons I get enraged that we have to go through the whole rigmarole of worry tedium and general helplessness that having a sick kid makes me feel I get angry at daycare and I feel like I want to burn the place to the ground and then I just get mad at myself Firstly, regarding daycare, I know that daycare hasn't done anything wrong. Her daycare is actually incredible 
And I would recommend them to anyone in a heartbeat. They have been extraordinary with her and they have generally made our lives so much easier. I love them and I'm grateful for them. That exposure to bugs that she has there would always happen. Um, It's either going to happen now, I suppose, or when she starts school in a few years' time. It's not their fault that our bodies have evolved the way they have. But still, in those moments, I get so mad, and I feed the anger by telling myself that someone broke the rules and brought their sick kid along, even though I know that is stupid, and it's entirely unrepresentative of how illnesses even work and spread. It's an energizing fiction. I I know I need to put the brakes on, but I too often indulge in the heat of the moment to try and make sense of what is happening by putting a narrative on it where there's good people and bad people, I suppose. But stupid and unfair daycare thoughts aside, I also get angry at myself, as I just mentioned, for being mad at all. I despise myself for being mad at the tedium, mainly because I know that when push comes to shove, ultimately Gemma will be the one that will have to stay with her and endure most of that anyway. It won't be me. My emotional fragility will just add to the ongoing cycle of mothers inheriting all the work while dads do nothing but complicate matters. I get mad that I become a stereotype of the bumbling, useless father that so many good fathers have worked hard to overturn and that I myself try hard every day to avoid being. Now, I think resilience is an often overused word. There is definite value in stoicism and there always has been. In saying that, though, I also feel like resilience is becoming the new mindfulness, like a crutch word that people in power can use to belittle the mental health battles of people beneath them. Much like it's been easy for employers to simply offer mindfulness instead of actually altering how their organization operates, it's easy for an employer or someone in power to tell someone beneath them that they need to be more resilient when struggling. But keeping all that in mind, These are the moments where resilience has real value and where stoicism is helpful. And I want to be better in these situations. And I want to be able to mask things and put up the walls so I can deal with something like a growing up should be able to. It's a work on, a significant work on. And while I don't know how much progress I've actually made, I think at least acknowledging that I need lots of work as a type of progress in itself, or perhaps that's just a cop out. I, I, don't really even know anymore. I just know I don't handle her being sick. I still am developing those tools and it takes so long for me to recover from any instance where she gets properly ill. I'm not sure how that will play out in the future because she has a lot more sickness to go. And obviously we're also kind of living through a pretty scary time in terms of contagions. I hope that when we can communicate more effectively and get used to things, It'll be easier and far less scary and just less traumatizing. Now, I do want to reiterate that, um, as I said earlier on, we're lucky. Ultimately, all of the sicknesses that Ava has undergone, they've been difficult, but they've been treatable. We haven't had to endure anything close to some of the harrowing stories that we've heard from other parents. Unfortunately, hearing those stories doesn't give me the perspective and 
gratitude you might think it does. Well, I mean, obviously they provide me with gratitude. Yeah, of course they do. What I mean to say is it, it, they don't give me just those feelings. They also give me a new level of fear that I'd never encountered before Ava came to be. I'm so scared because even though Ava has been healthy so far, I'm petrified that might not be the case one day. I know I gave a content warning up the top, but I'm going to give another one here because I just want to make sure that you don't hear this if this is going to be too hard to listen to. For the next couple of minutes, I'm going to be talking about fatal illnesses in children, which can be pretty hard to, to hear. So if you're listening on the radio, I suggest that you mute the station or perhaps even just wait until the half hour is over until you know so you don't have to risk it if you listen to this via podcast you can skip it to around 24 minutes 10 seconds and that will put you in the clear there was a night last year where Gemma and Ava had gone to bed and I was just scrolling I was scrolling through reddit and I came across a picture in my feed from a subreddit called last images I had never heard of this subreddit before even though it's actually pretty massive um, and this this picture was enough to pull me into it it's it's a it's a subreddit made up of people posting last pictures of people alive so as you might guess there's famous people um, obviously um, but more interestingly people were posting photos as a kind of memorial to their lost relatives. Many of these were heartbreaking, as you'd imagine, but it's that kind of heartbreak that I sometimes just want to dwell in a little bit, if that makes sense. There's, without trying to sound pretentious and philosophy 101 insufferable, there is that sort of haunting beauty in how fragile life is, and I think sometimes it pays to remember that. I was I was struck by some of the images and the pain of the people posting them. And the, the one that I had seen that sucked me in was particularly interesting. It, I've got these details probably slightly wrong because I haven't looked at it since, but it was someone's father or someone's grandfather had recently passed. And for whatever reason, they were looking at their father or grandfather, the person who'd passed away. They were looking at their house on Google Maps. And the Google camera, when it was taking the photo, just happened to take one when their relative had stepped outside the front door and so there they were just out of nowhere on this person's computer screen going about the most nondescript part of their day they'll probably get up to get the mail or to go do some errands or, or whatever but they were just living it was completely candid it was like a snapshot into something so valuable that you wouldn't have even thought about twice while they were alive and there's a lot to unpack in something like that so hopefully you can see why this kind of thing is interesting and why I was kind of having a look and I wasn't just solely interested in this macabre form of grief exploitation, for want of a better word but I did know I was playing with fire a bit because it was always going to be inevitable that I would go too far into the rabbit hole and find something that would distress me. <laughs> and sure enough, that's exactly what happened. Because not long after I'd been in the Reddit, I came 
across a photo of a very small child. I can't recall the age because I've tried to purge the details from my mind and I don't even know if it's a good idea for me to bring it up now because it still really hurts. Um, but this child was in a hospital bed and they were hooked up to tubes and they were lying on their side and they were holding close their soft toy. They were just hugging it really tightly and their little eyes were open and the person posting it, I think, was the child's mother and she basically recounted how this moment was the last time she ever saw her child with their eyes open before they passed away from whatever had put them in that hospital bed. And I collapsed internally. That picture, it was it was just the details, the soft toy, the look in the child's eyes, the the sadness and the sort of fear and the and the trust, but also the the sort of the the love and the I don't know, I, I can't words don't do it adequate justice. But it was too much for me. And I just burst into tears sobbing sobbing heaving tears because all I could see was Ava it just reminded me so much of her being in the hospital the way the child was lying with that soft toy was exactly what she was doing in that moment it could have been her and I sobbed and I wept and I, I cried and I I actually had to go into her room to look at her and and then I had to just go and hold Gemma for a while while I just continued sobbing it's I, looking back it, it must have been such a bizarre experience for her husband to just come bowling in in the dark while she's sleeping and just start bawling his eyes out seemingly over nothing but I mean a single picture has never destroyed me like that very few things have destroyed me like that and and this is part of what breaks me every time she deteriorates. Whenever she screams in that sickness tone and ends up going hoarse from that screaming or any time she's begging us to make the pain stop and we can't, I am just internally freaking out that this is where it will end up. I can't even begin to comprehend, and nor do I want to start comprehending, what happens after that. We know of people that have suffered that kind of loss. And, and you read about it, of course you do. And nobody wants to hear a parent say, oh, I just didn't understand until I had kids. But I, I didn't. That kind of event is always tragic. And you always feel that sense of just how indescribably awful an experience it must be to go through. But I didn't quite perceive the depth of how horrendous it must be. And I don't know if I could go through that. The image has broken me multiple times since I saw it. And I don't dwell on it, I swear I don't. But it's hard to not occasionally remember something that distills the most devastating and overpowering fears you have into a single high-definition image. It's like all that extraordinary pain and anxiety that courses through my body every time that she screams now has a high-resolution photo tied to it. The screams aren't just a traumatic reminder, although they very much are that. They also contain my biggest fears and my most powerful worries. Hell, I worry that even talking about it now is like I'm jinxing something, and I don't even believe in jinxing or anything like that. I have many, 
many, many flaws in my parenting. But I think this is my largest. I'm still struggling to find a balance between living my life terrified of bad news and trying to not let it affect me in my daily life. I want to be able to handle things better, but I don't even understand how you're meant to stop worrying about that kind of thing all the time. song was called Hold On and it was by Belgian singer Laura Tesoro. 
The other song on this episode was called Immunity by John Hopkins. Offspring is written and produced by me, Bevan Morgan, at Momo Studios in the one and only Kirikiridoa Aotearoa. Thanks so much to FreeFM 89.0 and accessmedia.nz for their help and distribution of this podcast, and thanks so much to you for listening. Hopefully, we'll talk next week. Thanks for listening to this FreeFM podcast. If you want to hear more content like this, you can support FreeFM via Patreon. Head to patreon.com slash freefm89 to find out more.